What episode is it, Riff? 24. Do you know that for sure? Yes, I do. I think I have some explaining to do today, gentlemen. What do you got? Did you uh, <laughs> did you see my tweet yesterday, Gio? I saw something. I'm trying to think of where or what it was. If I saw the the one you're alluding to. So, uh, did you guys see the scrap between Reeves and McDermott the other night? I did. Well, I know you did, Riv, because you commented on my thing. <laughs> so, what about you, Gio? Did you see that scrap? I did. I did see it. Okay. So, um, yesterday, I, you know, I saw it, and um, I just sent out a tweet. I didn't know what was gonna. I didn't know what was gonna come of it, and. Uh, it was kind of thought provoking, you know, obviously with the role that I played in the game as a, you know, a quote unquote enforcer, uh, such an embarrassing job title, by the way. But anyway, um, <laughs> yes. Hey, um, but I just tweeted out. I said, does the NHL still need this? I said, I'm having a hard time deciding if I love it or hate it. You and, um, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought I'd get a couple responses or whatever. I got couple hundred maybe more than a couple hundred one of them says give me a friggin break andrew <laughs> that's from Riz for sure give me a friggin break andrew just because you didn't like fighting and i he said does mean fans didn't like watching it today's game lacks this intensity now i think he meant doesn't doesn't mean fans, but that's fine. So I just responded to that one with a nice middle finger emoji. <laughs> and and uh, that's where I left off. And I, I, I don't know where you guys stand, but I'm going to just tell you that uh, it's very hard to watch this stuff these days. I hate well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you've obviously been s- not scarred by it. I don't, I don't know that that's the right oh, no, word. But you, no, scars, you, you, <laughs> scars are a great word. Physically, <laughs> mentally, emotionally. <laughs> yeah, no, scar, scar is a great, great word to use. But go on. So, yeah, I mean, I like I think you said it before. I don't – the stage fighting, the just two big guys going after it for no reason, I, I don't know that that has a place in the game anymore. The What I don't want is the emotions – of and I sent you guys the clips the two and a half career fights that I've had in my career I sent them along to you on the group chat but I I think that there's still something for the emotion of the game and that it has to get out of you when things get tough right or or something cheap happens uh to yourself you go and handle it um I wouldn't necessarily put that on you anymore PD as a teammate to say listen I got hit. I think you need to go fight for it. But I still think that there's a place for it to be. I don't want to say police the game, but I, I think get the emotions out and then move on. And so nothing more drastic happens as far as a cheap shot from behind or a slash uh, that could break or a, a limb or a knee on knee. You know what I mean? I, I think, I think it has to be released. You know what I mean? So ribs comes and hits me from behind going to the bench or into the, into the corner of an open door 
on purpose, I want to be able to handle it right away. Uh, and then it's over and done with, right? Like at some point you've gotten it out and the competitive nature of it, uh, moves on. But I, I think the stage fighting for sure, I think we have to move on from as a game. I just look at, I look at the bench. I look at the bench that they, uh, after the fight was finished, the guys on the Colorado bench were standing up ecstatic. They were pumped. The fans, you could hear the fans screaming and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, the, the COVID, uh, you know, uh, fans that, uh, they just kind of naturally put in there like, no, it was the fans. They were super excited. They they were Oh, the I COVID think, fans, like the sound. Okay, I didn't know yeah. what you meant. <laughs> the fake, like yeah, the COVID fake fans. fans. The, the COVID fake, fake sounds. That COVID they, into the games these days? Yeah. No, the COVID fake sounds that we've heard for for a year it was just so irritating. Now you're hearing real fans in the stands and it you know, listen, I don't don't want to see anyone get hurt. But I think that the physicality part of the game has dropped significantly and the enjoyment of watching a game right now is at an all-time low for me. That is just my opinion. And I'm not saying that I don't appreciate and love every one of these players and their exceptional skill set. It's so much higher than what it was uh, in in past years and decades. That being said, the emotion of the game, which drove people to the game, the fans to the game, is now ultimately gone. It is gone. It is well, gone out of the game. What are people supposed to be coming to watch? The skill and the talent and the skating and the young players that are coming up through the game that are ridiculously yeah. you know what? You know, talented. You know, this is my opinion, and I think a lot of people agree with me. I think it's boring as hell. I don't want to see a kid do a friggin' Michigan flipping a puck over a net every single night and think that that's the entertainment. I want to see two teams that play with such passion and grit for one another, for their fan base, that that is the emotion. That is the, that's the enjoyment of watching, you know, hockey and, and, and professional hockey. It, it's to watch these teams play with passion and, and grit along with the skills of of what these young men have have you know built themselves up to be today it's it's they're fantastic they're very skilled but the problem is we have ultimately four lines four lines of the same type of player and to me that's boring that's boring well I get your point, but there's a price here. I mean, you know, I, I, I sit back and I watch. I think you stop a game to let two guys fight, and it just looks absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I watch these guys. For so who? I just think, and I'm like, oh, my who, God. I can't believe I used, to, I used to do this for a living. Pardon? You didn't like it, though. You did not like it. I'm gonna I would like you right to pull there's a vast majority of guys, of guys that did what I did, and a lot of them probably didn't like it. What would you say, Gio? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I listen. I wasn't in your world, right? Like we lived two different worlds in the NHL. Um, I don't know the anxiety that goes into preparing yourself for that every night, right? Like 
I, I had to deal with different stresses. Uh, one of them not being, uh, getting my ass kicked in a game. You know what I mean? Like that was, listen, I had to worry about big guys running me over, but I didn't have to worry about going and fighting some of the toughest guys out there. So I, I don't know. I, I can't speak to what you had to deal with. Ribs, I see what you're saying. Like, but there's a, I think there's a place, there's, there's, there's some place in the middle that it doesn't need to be completely skilled and it doesn't need to be back where we were before. I think we need to move forward and we need to make sure that the health of the game and the players are there. But I still think there's a place like Truba's hit on McKinnon. Like, that's just hockey. And, and you see yeah. people tweeting out how many sus- games should he be suspended. I'm sorry that it's a superstar in the league, but he literally was just skating with his head down. Truba, the cleanest hit you can make on him, you don't want to see anyone hurt. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. that's as clean as can be. That's the game of hockey. And if you replace that, I think it's going to be extremely hard uh, to have that competitive nature. Why does, why does Truba it. have to lay out McKinnon? Why, why do we need okay, that oh, if, to happen if he, in the game he, of hockey? We don't need it to happen, but it's part of the game in the sense that if he lays up on McKinnon, he's going to dance him and walk around and be on every highlight reel too. So if he doesn't go through the body there, if he doesn't go, if he goes tentative, goes for the puck, and then maybe tries to get the body after, McKinnon's going to walk him. So what's, that what's, what's, what's better for the game? McKinnon getting completely lambasted and potentially concussed and hurt and injured long-term, or walking Truba and getting a scoring chance. But, but okay, now, now, if, I don't know if, if you're Truba, actually if Truba, I don't know yeah. if you're actually serious in, if Truba, in the questions yeah. that you're asking, or if you're just like trying to poke the bear right now. <laughs> That's the, and I, we've not discussed this. We have not gone no, on. Because both of you and, were late to your scheduled time today. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I, we have not discussed this at all. And I don't know if you're actually serious about all this. I said it the other I, day with Elliot. Because, I, with Elliot. because I, actually think, I actually think that you believe in what you're saying. But, but Petey. I do. No if fighting McKinnon walks, and if, basically no hitting. If McKinnon walks Truba and eventually that continues to happen, Truba's out of a job too. So like, what, when is the onus on the guy that's carrying the puck? I never cut to the middle with guys when guys were, you knew guys had a reputation for looking to hurt you or players, you would make sure that you didn't do certain things, didn't cut to the middle, didn't try to make the extra move around a guy. I'm not saying we need to get back there, but at some point, McKinnon grabs a puck off the wall and starts to go towards the net. Is he not able to get hit? You're going to take all hitting out of the game completely and make it make it a non-contact sport, and I think you can – like, that's not hockey. I wonder if we're, I wonder if we're close to that. I wonder is I don't know if that's look. I'm not <laughs> I'm not sitting here saying that's the game that I want to watch. Okay, I'm just saying, and Craig, I am being serious. I'm 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 I, am I poking the bear? Only if you feel differently. I think it's poking the bear. I think that's that's it. This is not intentional. I've been putting a lot of thought into this. I fucking hurt on a daily basis, not maybe not my shoulder every day, maybe not my knee, but I mean, 
a headache. It could be my hand could be sore. Uh, my knee is actually kind of bad right now, but I mean, certain days my shoulder hurts, my elbow. I mean, yeah, like there are, there are aches and pains. Now, am I, in, am I worse than others? No, I couldn't imagine being you, Craig, because I know that your body after 923 regular season games, knee surgery scheduled in January is yes. a mess. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't give anything back. I love the way the game was played. I love the way I played. I would not give anything back. Well, not everyone loved the way you played, not your opponents, but that's the whole point, I guess. Eh? I certainly didn't like it when I played against you. When I played with you, it was all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, I understand, you know, the skill in the game is better than it's ever been. The mentality of the player is is of the ultimate entertainer. They are they highly skilled, dynamic. They think outside the box, just like we saw the other day with, you know, who's, who's the kid that uh, flipped the puck over the night? I can't remember. Zegris, oh my God, talked about him a thousand times. It's, it's, it's great to watch. But I'm going to tell you this, when you go and you sit down and you watch an NHL game, you can pick any, any game there lacks emotion. There lacks, there lacks jam. It, I, you know, you go and scroll to the people in the stands and they're kind of like, they're sitting back. One guy's got his arm around his wife and, you know, like he's like, just like in a recliner and he's just so bored because he's just watching some skilled guys skate around the ice, dangling and stuff. It's boring. I'm, I'm sorry. It's boring. People, you didn't, you took your girlfriend to the to the hockey game. You weren't sitting back in a recliner, okay, talking to her. You were up on your seat. You're watching the game. Matthew Barnaby gets on the ice. He flies around with his skill set, and he's cranking guys, and then he's chirping guys, and then guys are face washing them. And then there's like there's an eruption, and people are at the edge of their seats, and then you get. Uh, you know, Briere comes on the ice and he's just flying saucer pass over to, to jury tap top corner goal fan goes nuts. Then someone's chirping the bench and Eric Bolton's up there. You don't talk to our bench like that. And Andrew Peters, the, the emotion and the overall excitement of watching a game was tenfold. You went to a game, you got your money's worth. You've got skill. You had goals. You had great penalty killers. You had un- incredible goaltending. You didn't have, you you didn't have a ton penalty. of skill. You had two lines with just six players that could play. You'd have a seventh forward that's probably, you know, pretty good. And then your third line guys, for the most part, are checkers. And then your fourth line guys are your well, you muckers and your checkers. Grinds. You say checkers, but they were extremely good at what they did. Are you just going to say that Mike Greer was just a checker? That's kind of what you're saying. No, 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 no. Well, that's kind of what you said because that was. See what he role. does, Gio? He See, he takes, he takes something and just spins it and he uses no. a guy that we love. Like, I love Greerzy and you got to use Greerzy. No, Greerzy was way more than that. Well, what Penalty was he? killer. Was he a goal scorer? He scored 20 a couple times. Did he score 20 a couple times? Oh, yeah, he did. I'm going to look it up. I might have to look that up. I'll look but, it up. You know, Mike Greer in his job description and role was was basically a third line right winger 
that killed penalties exceptionally well. He was a part of the puzzle that that made a team successful. And he and that's John Madden, Jay Pandolfo, John Madden, Jay Pandolfo, exactly same thing. Same. That's what made the team tick. You know what I mean? Lines like that. Again, who's our who's our penalty killers in Buffalo for the Buffalo Sabers right now? I mean, we're we're like there. There's no job defining roles for any one of these guys because right now our fourth line is Vinastroza. Vinastroza. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Well, I think there's been a change over the last few years in the sense that you utilize some of your skill guys to kill penalties now. Like there's been a change in that mentality over the last five to 10 years Bjork is of, having, line of having a Jack Eichel kill penalties for you to try to open it up, right? Like it's no longer your guy that's just going to eat shots. They've tried to put a little skill on the PK. And so now it's made it that it, it muddies the water for everyone as far as ice time, as far as role definition. Uh, there's no longer that guy that, hey, I'm that third, fourth line guy. I'm going to go out there, create energy. I'm going to kill penalties. I'm going to block shots, give everything for my team, and then let the skill guys take over from there. I think that role definement has has blurred a bit. Grizzly had two 20-goal seasons. He said a couple. He played uh, 1,060 games, 162 goals, 383 uh, points. You know, uh, in that example, I mean, that, that's not – you say Pandelfo and – Greer are the two guys that you guys, John Madden. I mean, John Madden scored four goals in a game once, you know, I mean, like those aren't the guys I'm talking about. Those aren't the guys I'm talking about. I, the whole conversation, Chris Draper. I mean, I, you can just go on and on and talk about, you know, defined roles on a team and is, is Chris Draper and Kurt Malpe, were they, were they useful for the uh, Detroit uh, Red Wings? Do you think well, that they were the fourth line in the history of hockey? Well, if that's what you, if, if that's what you want to say, then I would, I would agree with that, but they had a defined role. Did they not score goals? No, they, they did. Did were they were Malpe had a job description and he played it to a T. He irritated other people on the other team. He was nasty. He was physical. He was one of the best penalty killers in the league, but he also scored um, some, some important goals for their hockey club. And same with Chris Draper. And right now, the, the, the defined role in the National Hockey League is literally almost gone. Tell me what the role right now, a fourth line left winger, Anders Bjork. Leggio, I'll throw that one to you. Tell me what his role is right now in the Buffalo Sabres. I think, to be honest, his role, it's hard, right? You're taking the Sabres as a strict example, and I don't know that they're built like all the higher-end teams are, right? And so with that being said, I think they have a lot of similar type players, right? They have a lot of players that, are playing the same role in the sense that Bjork is a skill guy, fairly decent size, moves well. So I think their line definition, one, two, three, four, is much different than your Colorado's, your Florida's, your 
I don't know that Bjork has a defined role. I, I agree. I, I don't know that Bjork's on the fourth him. line because he can't cut it on the first, second, or third. He's not a fourth liner in this league. Like, he's not a fourth line by the def- the definition of a fourth liner. How about that? By the by the Malpy Draper McCarty by the by the Sean Thornton um, uh, Gregory Campbell and Dan Pye line. I mean, by that definition, he doesn't fit the mold. He was brought so, here. Let me ask you to to uh, to maybe break through and be kind of like a hey, we got a we got a really good piece in in uh, in return for Taylor Hall. That's what he was brought here for. What? round was Danny Paye drafted in first okay so he could not crack here in Buffalo the first second or third line so he was traded to Boston in hopes that he could possibly you know crack one of their top three lines did he crack the top three lines in Boston well some might argue they had two third lines so he was no, on the fourth the, line. The answer is yeah. no. Okay, yeah. sorry. For the sake of but argument. But he also worked himself into a position and an understanding of, of exactly what he needed to do on a nightly basis on that line. Sean Thornton and um, Campbell, Campbell. Campbell um, arguably was, again, another fourth line that could have been one of the best fourth lines in the National Hockey League because they had defined roles. You had Sean Thornton, who knew his role. He was going to fight. He was going to stick up for his teammates. He also understood the game exceptionally well. Okay, Um, Gregory Campbell was a gritty, defensive-minded, highly physical, insane character and determination. in his role, Danny Paye added speed, a little bit more skill and craftiness to the, the line, but he also was a very good defensive hockey player that, that rounded out an exceptionally good fourth line for the Boston Bruins. We have Anders Bjork, who could not make the top three or four lines in Boston and got traded. He was a healthy scratch when we picked him up. And he has yet to find a spot here or a defined role here in Buffalo. Yet. If we're going to give him more time. Right. So what is, what does all this have to do with, with fighting? Like, I mean, I, I, I've defined roles, defined roles. I find it's entertainment. I find it's exciting. Um, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people, I went back and read, a lot of the comment comments too, Petey. And I'm going to very tell you, very divided, eh? No, it was not divided at all. It really? was an okay. overwhelming, overwhelming on the side of they wanted to see more physicality in the game. Would you only read like five? The five that you wanted to read? I read a lot too, and I felt I wish I had tallied them because I feel like there were a lot of people thumbs down. A lot of people, you know, there was someone that that message from Sweden, and they said, you know they don't have this issue in, in, in Europe. You don't have any of that in Europe and Europe has a great brand of hockey. It's a great brand of hockey. It's very entertaining. You know, I know it's on the bigger ice or whatever. It might not be as physical. I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, like, what are we doing here? What are we doing with, with having two, two big guys square off to fight? I understand the heat of the emotion or the heat of the, the moment. I understand all that. I understand, you know, like Gio, you got in a couple scraps, 
I understand that guy, guy, you know, cross checking in the corner. You're like, screw it. Who, what Todd Marchant? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, like you guys aren't going to hurt each other. No offense. You're not going to hurt each other. I mean, I don't know. Did you hurt him? No, I didn't hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> not a chance. But, but I mean, you guys aren't going to hurt each other. You know, I'll be, yeah. you know, like a, you know, a little pillow fight, <laughs> a couple, a couple, a couple, couple little dusters off the visors. And, you know, we move on with the day, but you get these guys like McDermott and, and, and Reeves on the ice. And I just think it's such a bad look because if you, if these two guys were in the street or outside a bar, you know, they're going to jail. And I just, I can't believe what about MMA fighting? is still, are, are, they, are they in danger too, Petey? Do you think those guys like uh, not want to do what they do? Well, I mean, I, I fighting's obviously times worse than an NHL fight that lasts, uh, what, 10, 20, 30, but at seconds, least, you maybe? know, at least, you know, that, you, you know, take away the fact that take away the fact that some of these guys know that they might have to fight in the NHL, take away, take away that take fighting out of hockey or, or and you look and you say, you know, it, I don't even know how to formulate my, my thought here. Um, are they in danger? Yes, they're in danger. But I think they know that that they are being they're being paid to fight. I was paid to fight. I mean, I was I wasn't paid to just go out and fight every night. But that was you know if something happened, is, I had is, to go and fight. Or in fact, job description in fact, not fight. even if something happened, Craig. Not even if something happened, it was just score the game or. You know, ah, let's get the crowd into it. Or, you know, whatever the case, let's get the PIMS up, keep our jobs, stuff like that, right? Like, for instance, Alex Ovechkin ran Danny Briere from behind into the into the door. I think it was in 06, 07. And nothing happened the rest of that game. But do you know what happened the next game? Do you know what the, the retribution was? Did Briere go out and fight Ovechkin? No. No. Did I go fight Ovechkin? No. No. I fought Donald Brashear. That was the retribution. Where does that make sense? I wasn't even on the ice. You know, Brashear wasn't even on the ice. But that whole game, I am convinced that Brashear and I were in the lineup because of what happened the game before. It makes no sense. So your guy goes and runs my guy. I go fight the other team's tough guy. Well, if we're going to do eye for an eye, the guy that hits the guy in a dirty manner should have to answer for it then. Not, not have me go out and fight Brashear. Have that guy fight me, right? That's now, now we'll really know if that guy would have run uh, uh, Danny B from behind, okay? So you can't tell me that the NHL doesn't use fighting for a tool to lure fans because it's not even used properly. Fighting in the game of hockey is not even used properly. You know, like, like take Truba, for instance. You know, why does, why does McDermott fight Reeves? Because Truba hits McKinnon. The next game, by the way. Did, like, did like, not it something happen, but like, I, just, I agree with you 100%, Petey. But I don't like... The flip side, I don't like when you hit someone clean that you have to fight for it either. Like, if I hit someone completely clean, why is someone coming to fight me? That's part of the damn game. Craig, why don't you answer that? Get your head up, and I hit you clean. When it's dirty, I agree, Petey. 
like if I hit someone dirty from it's behind, time to pay I, the fiddler. And I had to fight you. You know what? Next time I'm gonna think twice about what I'm doing going into that corner with with a guy because I don't want to fight you. Well, I appreciate that. I don't want to fight you either. But you know, so I see your mentality there. I agree with it a hundred percent. But just on that same thing, if you hit someone clean, you shouldn't have to fight for it because that's part of the damn game. Rivs, you're up. I would say, um, and again, this is maybe an unpopular thought, and I argued uh, about this uh, many times. When you're talking about clean hits in the NHL, it is not just about you know receiving the hit. It's about it's about showing how together your team is. It's about protecting one another. Even though it, it may be a clean hit, you want the other team to feel extremely uncomfortable all the time. If they feel comfortable that they can make that clean hit, then they're going to do it again and again and again. And you guys both know, playing in this game a very long time, both of you, that there is a lot of pretenders in this game. There's a lot of pretenders. And I, I feel, and my, my thought is to address even a clean hit, and it may not result in a fight, but it's going to result in some, some form of verbal confrontation where the guy knows that you're not getting off scot-free and you're not going to just skate around here all the time and, and feel comfortable. Because guys that feel comfortable on the ice play better. Would you agree? Well, yeah. I mean, like, if uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you feel comfortable cutting to the middle and walking three guys, it's because you know there's no threat of getting hit. We didn't yes. do that back then because there was someone that was going to hit you. Yes. And, and that happened. I, it, it, was and, a nothing, and me, it was a nothing game. We were up 5-6-1 on the Rangers, and I tried to walk someone. And you know what? The back pressure came and smoked me and separated my shoulder. That's on me for being an idiot at 6-1. We're up, and I'm trying to walk someone. I learned my lesson. I didn't do it again. Yeah. You're like, so I, I, I know what you're saying is that there's a clean hit. Hockey's the you're ultimate. not going to want. But that's why we love playing this game, because of all these little things. And I agree, there should not be stage fighting. It makes no sense for, for yes. Rivs or, I mean, Petey and – and for sheer to go out and fight over something. But I, I think that there's still a place and you can't cut out fighting. Yeah. Because it will like, be you wanted way players, dirtier of a game if, if, if there's if not. The, if the player that was fighting, let's and, and let's call him enforcer, okay, and enforcer. You want to make sure that this guy can play the game of hockey. Okay, that's, that's, the, most, that's the most important thing. He has to be able to play. Like Andrew... He hated his job. He hated his job because, you know, Andrew was a second round draft pick. Okay. He was not just there and picked to be an enforcer. Okay. He, do you think I, I'm not an enforcer. I was far from an enforcer, but I came out of junior hockey as an offensive power play specialist. What happened How to that, that guy? How the Where would that guy go? <laughs> Where did that guy go? I I was a offensive point producing defenseman my entire life, all the way through junior. I hit pro hockey 
At the end of my first year in the league, I get pulled in by the GM and the coach, and they say, we want two things from you. We, we want you to box this summer, all summer long, and we want minimum 200, 200 penalty minutes in your second year. And I'm thinking to myself, what? I don't, I don't even understand. I, did, I didn't understand what the hell they were talking about but I had to go to let it all sink in. And I kind of realized that they wanted me to be a different defenseman than what I have been throughout my entire career. And guess what? There's a lot of guys that were in my situation. A lot of guys that were in my situation that had to make the exact same choice and they chose not to. And those guys were still in the minors. 10 so years you know later. what the, you know what the difference is? I, I knew I had already established when I started fighting in junior um, I knew like I was coming out of tier two junior a in, uh, the Ontario provincial junior league. And I, I knew the, like I was a physical player. I, I liked playing aggressive. I did. I was big, I was strong, you know, but I could play the game and I, but I liked hitting and I, and when you hit, there are consequences. And I knew that, and I had to fight and I fought some tough guys and I fought some guys that weren't tough because at, at that age, you just don't know. You don't care. You drop your gloves, you grab the guy, you pull the cage off and you, you know, you start fighting. I was in junior. And I remember I was, I was actually, I was leading our team in scoring. Okay. I had six points in my first four games in junior. Okay. And I remember our coach sat down with all the rookies, just the rookies in the room. And he started saying, you know, telling guys what they were gonna have to do. You know, one guy's name was Adam Malassi. And he's like, you know, Mo, you're six, four, you know, if you want to get noticed by scouts, start fighting, you know, Hey, Andrew, you know, the only way you, you know, cause I was ranked, I was starting to get ranked higher and higher in the draft and, um, you know, there were talks that I could be ranked in the first upcoming rank as high as the, the first round or, or in the second round. And he's like, you want to be a first rounder? You know, we're going to need you to fight. We're going to need you to do this. And I'm just like, you piece of shit. Like this guy was the biggest piece of shit. And, and that's what he wanted. He wanted, he want, he wanted me to fight. So I just went on a tear. I just fucking started fighting every single night. I think I had 33 fighting majors that year. And you know, it was like, and that was, and that was the moment. And I sit there and I think to myself, you know, like they use, they use the, the, the dream. Okay. The dream, they, they hold it over your head and say, I know how you can get there. I know what you can do. And the same thing happened to you, Craig. It's like they were sacrificial lambs. We're sacrificial lambs. You get, you get pulled up, you know, pulled into a meeting and like, Hey, we're going to, I remember John Cristiano telling me about, Oh, you know, we don't have any uh, real tough guys here this year. Uh, you know, you know, we got guys like Bonvi we're playing against and this and that. This is after my first year in the minors where I didn't want to become just a fighter. Like, but you know, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, again, another request to go out and fight. And it's like, Holy shit. And you know, and, and you're like, you know what? Fuck it. You can get to the NHL this way. And maybe when you get there, you'll be given an opportunity to play and show what you really are. Right. But, you know, so I, I guess I, I look and I think nobody should have to do that. Nobody should have to go through that. The mental anguish that you go through uh, when you know that you have to fight um, is completely different than saying, I'm going to go out and play tough. And you know what? Not expect to fight at all, and then all of a sudden a fight happens, and that just the pure adrenaline takes over. And so that, and that was you just described me. I our, described our me. Descri no, I described you, you. Described me. You, you, 
you know, you knew that you had to fight. Remember those rookie uh, tournaments that we had to do when we were, you know, just in oh, the yeah. pro? They yeah. were they were gong shows. Like, yeah. I mean, one of the biggest gong shows I've ever been a part of. And I never felt going into any of those games that I had to fight, that that was my job description. I was there to be a tough physical defenseman, move the puck. You know, I had I had some skills, um, but I had to play a certain style. If I wanted to make Montreal, I had to play a certain style because they they had far too many offensive puck moving defense and the JJ Daniels, the Patrick Breeze Bois and uh, Eric Desjardins. And, and it just went on and on our first round draft pick my year. Our first rounder was a right-handed defenseman out of the Western hockey league that had 38 goals and 84 points that year. You know, I'm not going to take his power play minutes. So I had to play. They gave me, they told me what I had to do. And there's a lot of guys that did not want to do what, and, and I'm I'm talking on other teams. They they told me what I what they needed. You know how many do. guys didn't make it because they wouldn't fight? Tons, tons. But so I mean, so I don't regret anything. I don't like. I I was a I was a completely different style kid growing up, moving into junior, moving out of junior and into pro. I became a completely different style defenseman. But I worked my way. I believe into being a defenseman that was more than just a defensive, you know, you know, physical defenseman. I put up multiple 20 and 30 point seasons in the national hockey league. I think that's a pretty, pretty good two way defenseman in, in, in my mind. It, it's hard PD because the job you were asked to do is a dangerous one is a thankless thankless one the only guys that, that you know mean guys like there's that not you were the guys that actually knew how difficult your goddamn job was and that's why i appreciated you every single minute that we played together because it's not a fun job it was not a fun job you got these other you know you little yahoos in the dressing room giggling and laughing like schoolgirls because they don't have anywhere near what what's going to happen in the next you know 30 minutes when that game starts they don't know because they've never experienced it. And that's why I appreciated what you did. I know, but there's a lot of guys in this league that when you played, there's a lot of guys that loved it. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that were a little off the rockers. They were, they were brought up in a different. very different family environment. Like your mother and father, the salt of the earth, your brother, your whole family, so tight, great, incredible people. Your mother did not bring you up to be this type of, of, of player or person, but you did it because that's what you had to do. But there's other, there's other guys in this league that enjoyed, enjoyed smashing each other in the face and enjoyed seeing blood and broken bones in the whole shooting match they were they came they were brought up completely different and i played with a lot of those guys that you just like wow this guy is really off his rocker joe i want to ask you like you know you say you cut through the middle that day and you 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 pop your shoulder out or dislocate your shoulder and don't you want to see a game like, wouldn't you have loved to play in a game where there was none of that, where you didn't have to worry about well, that, where you could yeah, cut through the sure. middle? I mean, like, so why are we trying get, to get there? Let, let, 
We are there. I played. I played. Yeah, we're there. I I played in both, not to the extent we're at now, but I played in the clutch and grab early 2000s of literally you couldn't go anywhere. You're held up no matter what interfered with. And then it opened up when it opened up. That's the year I scored 48. There's no secret that that opened me up from a 20, 25 goal scorer to a 48 goal scorer. Because you had time and space. You had my speed could take over, you know, like, so it, it certainly benefited my, my goal totals. And it's a, it's a, a faster, more skilled game now. Like, I think there could be a little more hitting. And I think some onus has to go on the puck carrier times. But I do like where the game's going. I do like the protection of the players. Um, but, I, I guess everybody at some point, Petey, sacrifices who they are as a player to make it in the league. I don't think anyone I, – I don't, I don't say anyone because Crosby, those guys, McDavid, they're, they're the same players they used to be. But I came into New Jersey who had just won two Stanley Cups, and I had to find a way to make a team. That was not as a first, second-line scoring guy. That was not as a power play guy right away. I was a undersized college kid that had to try to to stick. That was not going to be handed to me with first line minutes with first power play unit. I had to first couple years, two, three years, I was with Madden Pandolfo, shutdown line, killing penalties, blocking shots, playing against other teams' top lines, not expected to score. When you scored, it was a complete bonus. You were doing above and beyond what you needed to, but it was not to be scored on. I had to do that the first couple of years to stay in the league. Now it's not the same as having to go out and fight and get your, your head pounded. And I'm, I'm not trying to make that same comparison. No, no, no. I know you're not. What, what I'm saying is everybody at some point is sacrificing because you know what? Everyone who's in the NHL is skilled. Everyone can skate. Everyone is a damn good hockey player and you have to separate yourself and in order to do that, you have to fit into the team that you're you're with, right? Like you have to find, like Riv said, he couldn't be the defenseman he was in junior going into Montreal. Maybe another team needed a, a Rivs from junior, but he didn't have that luxury. He had to make yeah. the league and then go from there. And so it's At very hard to say. 32 points that year in 75 games. At 32 points as a rookie defenseman my first year in the minors, and they wanted me – me to be a tough guy. I'm like, I just put up 32 points as a rookie. Who said, who told you that? Who pulled you aside and said that to you? It was the uh, GM. um, His name was Andre Boudreaux and our head coach, Pauline Bordalo. And I love Pauline Bordalo. He was probably one of my, I, I would, I would put him right now as probably one of my, favorite coaches that I had in pro hockey without question bar none. He was an awesome, awesome coach. He, he worked with me. The amount of work that I put in extra down there and all of our players, Darcy Tucker, Craig Conroy, Scott Frazier. There was, you know, there was a number, Rory Fitzpatrick, Brad Brown, David Wilkie, you know, all guys that played in the national hockey league. We were rink rats. We were, we were guys that went to the rink early because we just loved to hang out. 
and we would just love we everybody be tape, taping their sticks together everybody went on the ice early practice was at uh w- would be at 10:30 everybody was on the ice at 10 we were working on one timers working on face offs you know you 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 know the centermen's who were that's their job you'd get a couple defensemen in there and think that they know what they're doing and we'd be taking face offs it was just fun and then you you just worked on on cycling and shots out of the corner we just you know forwards stood in front of the net for for you know hours and tip pucks from shots from the defensemen and after we had an incredible and i mean when i say this we had high high intensity practices almost almost and you could have we got to get darcy tucker and guys like that on there on here but there used to be fights every practice because the emotions were so high it was incredible but we all loved each other but it was highly emotional and then the practice end it all ended we'd been out there for probably an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes already then we stayed on for literally another hour playing games playing shot games you got to hit the cross you got to hit all the posts you know who can hit all the uh, posts first, and you know he doesn't have to, you know, buy uh, buy a Gatorade or something like that. Uh, you know, we 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 played that uh, shot game where Geo, you've done this, and Peter, you've done this, where you're shooting on the goalie, but you had guys on each side of it, and then rebound game, the rebound game. Yeah, love the rebound that game. For yep. Hours, it's, hours yeah. and hours and hours. It was, it was incredible. It was incredible to be down there and and work on your your skills and we were rink rats and we loved every minute of it so you know what's amazing is while you were down at one end playing rebound game all the mutt bags were down at the other end doing the extra work and bag bag skating down <laughs> grappling each other learning yeah. your holds i used to we used to so in the minors, listen. To this here, grab thing. me here. Grab me here. <laughs> we had, we had Jerry Fleming, who he was the player that I told this story, Petey, that I was at my very first Montreal Canadiens training camp. I was still seventeen, turning eighteen, and I'm in a, I'm in the, um, the Montreal uh, General Hospital, and in front of me was Jerry Fleming. Behind me was Donald Brashear. Well, Donald Brashear was you know, 6'4", 230, and Jerry Fleming made Donald Brashear look like a toothpick. He was 6'6", and he stepped on the scale. I was right there because I was the next guy to step on the scale. 282. <laughs> I weighed 172. What, I weighed 100. Okay, come, come to me, 5'7", 160 something when I came into the league. I couldn't see all the players are, I just looked at the guy ahead of me and the guy behind me and they're, and they were ungodly how, how big these guys were. They didn't, I, I remember this, that he weighed in at 282 pounds and he had under 10% body fat. Okay. If you know what I'm saying. And, uh, they wouldn't allow him on the ice until he was 265. So you had to ride the bike. He rode the bike for almost two to three weeks before they allowed him on the ice. Okay. But to make a, to go back to my story, when I was uh, in my, in, in the minors, we had basically what we called the fight club. Okay. We, we would get, and it would be everybody. 
it's not like you're you're taking the fighters against the fighters you're you're basically taking you know these college kids that had not fought a day in their life and throwing them into teaching them how to grapple and understand there's all different fighting styles mario roberge who played for many years in the montreal canadians organization was not a big man, but insanely intelligent, like off the chart when it came to grappling and understanding where to grab and what to do and where the danger's coming from and everything. I learned all of those things. So there was days, it depended on the, the day, day one, I would have Jerry Fleming. And when I would fight Jerry Fleming was, he would just kind of stand there limp, you know, his arms down by his side. And I would grab as much jersey with both hands Okay. And I would turn myself sideways. So I was in my strong position and he would look at me, he goes, you're ready. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's just, let's go. And he's like, I'm going to count the three and then I'm going to start throwing. I said, <laughs> okay. And I've got him in a clutch hold for my life. Okay. In my power position and everything. And he would count down three, two, one. And all of a sudden, there is this 265-pound animal trying to punch my head off. No joke. And I am having to hold on to this guy. Um, and I learned how to keep my balance, how to turn sideways. And if I did something wrong in amongst this, like, 15 seconds of fury, because he wanted me to feel like that, that rage of guys going as hard as they could right but uh i just learned i, I would fight him i would fight mary roberge where we sat there for 20 minutes and he would teach me how to turn and twist on the ice so i kept my balance and it was just it was constant it was well, just you, guys, it was, you saw my clips i clearly did not have those lessons scott stevens did not did not teach me that although if you noticed in the one clip when i fought todd marchant Scott Stevens is patrolling. If you watch, he follows us two around and he's like, all right, if anything goes wrong, I'm grabbing him. You know what I mean? So like he was my little, we called him dad on the team. And like he, yeah. like he, when I look back, dude, that's unreal. Like that guy, Hall of Famer, I'm a rookie second year, but he was sitting making sure that if that fight got out of hand for me, he was grabbing Marchant and just going to throw him down the other end of the Was end. he talking to you during it? Could you hear him? No, no. I mean, I couldn't hear anything. Like, it's, yeah. you saw my form. My form is awful. <laughs> awful. You get a few good punches, and then I lose my balance, and I'm yeah. bent over just trying form, to get form. upright again. And you guys make it look easy. But, no, I did. Oh. Hey, form goes I, out the window when you get punched in the face. That's when <laughs> things go wrong. <laughs> did you you guys uh, – we, we were talking about the Kitchener Rangers guy there, um, the kid who – I can't Jack pronounce I. his name. Anders, so this Jack, kid, Anders Jekai. What is it? I think is is, is Anders. Is it not Anders? It's Arbor, 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 Arbor Jekai. Jekai. Yeah, Arbor Jekai. Yeah. So I played uh, my my older son played against their their one son who's no four. Uh, he, he was an insane hockey player throughout his day. But yeah. So he's a Montreal Canadiens prospect. He has been suspended indefinitely. For making the sleeping motion, you know, the old the Aaron night, Ashley. nighty night after uh, after he. How many fought. times have you seen that in your career? Oh, I mean, 
I feel like Ruff for twenty did it. years. I feel like Ashram has done it. I feel like everyone. But I'm not even it. talking. Petey, you, you I'm did not, it. I feel I'm like you did talking, it. I'm not talking done the it. sleep motion. I'm not talking. I've I've seen the sleep thing happen many times. Okay, but I'm talking about maybe what we would say is a disrespectful gesture. Okay, whether you're doing the Tai Domi, um, you know, heavyweight belt, or you're, you're going to do the, you know, the twirl of the hand, or you're going to, you know, there's, there's so many things. I am literally shocked right now. I sent that to PD the other day, right? I think it sent yeah, me to yeah. guys that this, this young man with that, he, what he's watched throughout the course of his life, he's seen this before the emotions are at an all time high and he, and he gets this, uh, a, a, like, a suspension that's indefinite. I, I, I don't know. I think I think it's bullshit. I think it's bullshit. I think you can pull the guy aside and say, "Don't do that again." You know what I mean? I don't think you no need to question. suspend him. Yeah. Um, there, he should be on the phone, and I think the right thing to do would be on the phone and tell this young man. You ever do that again, you will not have to worry about playing for the Canadians. You'll be out of hockey. Yeah. Let's change the topic. I, I guess I guess the whole the whole thing for me is is you know, sorry to make the show today so dark and gloomy, but I mean it's like, you know, it 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 irritates me to just to keep seeing this shit. Like, you know two guys squaring off fighting for the sake of entertainment. I mean, it's, 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 you said UFC Riv, uh, it's completely different. No, it's um, not. I, me. I think it's, I think it's different because it's those not. guys are signing up for it at some and so point. So are you when you're but an at, NHL at, hockey that's, player? That's what, what I mean. At some about? point you had all to, signed up you had for to it. agree for No, you Riv, you're wrong. You had to- you're wrong. We didn't sign up for it. We were taken advantage of. No, you signed up for it. Bullshit. You could have walked away anytime you wanted. Could I have? You could have. Really? You didn't. Who's going to walk away? Like, you know, then you know, what's you funny? they paid you handsomely more than most people out there. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't like what you're doing, then do something else. I think that's interesting that you say that. I think it's, I think it's no player wants to walk away. No player wants to walk away because they were driven away. You know, I was, I I was by my third year in the league, I had completely, completely checked out. I mean, go look at my fights, go look at the way I fought. I didn't fight with the same fire. I didn't have the same passion. I didn't, you know, it, it, it just, it, it was like, this is just, this is exhausting. This is mentally exhausting more than it is physically exhausting. You know, what's more mentally exhausting for you. And I'm going to, and I don't know this and we've never talked about this before. And I hate how you, it's like, oh man, it's like, you're the one guy you, you spark my, you spark, you spark something. When we talk about this, you put down your career like so bad. It's unbelievable. It's just like, oh my Lord. I'm like, you know what? I, I think where you went wrong, and, and, and this is just my opinion, I think I've told you this before, is you got stuck in an organization that did not value what you could do as a player. You got stuck behind a head coach that did not value at all. Go play your two minutes, 
go play your two shifts a game. And if I need you to fight, then I'll just tap you on the shoulder. I'm going to tell you right now, you could have gone to another organization. You could have been on the third line. No problem. I saw you skate. I saw you shoot. I saw your hands. You got stuck in an organization that didn't value. And that happens to people. It happens to a lot. But I'm going to tell you, you don't devalue what you did and don't devalue your ability to play the game. Lindy Ruff didn't value you at all. Not at all. This is on Lindy Ruff. But that happens to, to that happens to a shit, man. Go ahead, Gio. Say what you're about to say, Gio. I think it happens to a lot of people. There's a big, damn right. And, and I don't know that it's, right or wrong for that matter i think that's just the nature of being at the top like being at the top is not easy it's not easy getting there it's not easy staying there things have to happen you have to have people that believe in you you have to have people that like what you do what's the difference between me and somebody else at some point yes i earned my chance i earned my way i'm not saying that but how many were like me how many were like you ribs how many were like you pd what made the difference and so it's hard to find right or wrong in the sense that we did and adapted and made it our way there or someone believed in you lou believed in me where 30 other teams didn't believe in me I, i i don't know what would have happened Otherwise, and PD, I don't know what would have happened if you just said, hey, you know what? I'm not fighting 20 times a year, but I'll fight the five, six times, but I'm going to go out and try to play. I don't you know, know what, what would have been happened. justification for you, PD, is if you would have actually played the game. Yeah. Wow. Well, listen, no, no, no. Do you think Donald Brashear right now thinks back to you know, his career as, as a failed career guy played over a thousand games. He played 15 minutes a night. Some, some teams he was on the power play. I mean, he, like he was an exceptionally good player, but he played a lot. He was good. eh? And in that, and in that, in, you know, he also, he also fight. He also fought the, the toughest guys in the game, but he was, his justification is, he was not just an enforcer. I do not look at Donald Brashear and ever would say that Donald Brashear was an enforcer. Donald Brashear could absolutely fly. His shot was a scud missile. He had some nice hands and he was given opportunity to play. I think what you need to realize too, do you think the Buffalo Sabres would ever pick Andrew Peters, 32nd overall, 32? 34th. 34, okay. Geo, Geo's thirty fourth. Geo, same draft year, right? Geo went third. What'd round. you go, Geo? Third round. I think it was yeah. a pick. 82. No one cares. No one cares. Eighty two. Eighty two. Yeah, no one cares. I would have been a top three pick nowadays with the skill set. Who would have gone number one that draft though? Guy drafted in the sixth round. You know who it is? Pavel Datsuk. Yeah, Pavel Datsuk. Yeah, I've never heard of him. But <laughs> I was just gonna say, Petey, you you got drafted thirty fourth overall in the high second rounder. Do you think that the Buffalo Sabres are picking you to be an enforcer? No, I know. When I was drafted they, in the second round, I'm like, they I'm like, saw you as a player. They saw you as a kid that could skate. 
They saw you as a kid that was physical, that had the size. I mean, Petey, you're saying you were a fighter in, in junior. Yeah, I. I so I, 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 I disagree. With, I, I disagree. I disagree no, with no, you, no. Ribs. Hold on. Were you a fighter in junior, or did you fight in junior? Oh, I fought a Who lot my rookie year. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, mean. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know so what your you game be, was. Would PD, you be but... perceived as a fighter? Like, I'd be perceived be... as a. When I was in junior, there were when my last year junior. The the two biggest toughest guys in the league was number one John Erskine. And number two, Andrew Peters. I that's I would like so Brian McGrath was I, in the league. I think I, I fought McGrath and I fought McGrath so many times. I mean, I think I fought McGrath in that year. I mean, I fought everybody, everybody. And I didn't lose many in junior. So I, I do think I, I will agree with you, Ribs, that they saw that Petey could play, that he had the skill to play in the league. But I also think that they drafted him for a reason to fill a slot whether that be hey this kid can play he can also be this for us he can also go out there and fill a need for us that we don't have i do i i I don't think that they make that buffalo always strictly off of that like if if pd was just as big as he was didn't fight a bunch in junior then i could say that they drafted him purely as a player i do think that they saw that he could be a player, but I also let me ask you they, something. They Jill. thought he could do something for him. You take, do you take a thirty fourth pick and pick a fighter? Depends uh, on Colorado your Colorado took team. Scott Depends Parker twentieth yeah. in the in the in my draft. Now, granted, they had four first round picks, but Scott Parker went in the first round. Stephen Pete was a second round. John Erskine went a couple picks after me. Wow. They were drafting heavyweights that year. There were a lot of heavyweights taken. Uh, I think it's based off of the need of the team. Yeah. Just like if you need D or you need a goalie, you need a Ford, you got to draft those and develop them. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm just trying to read uh, read a quick article here and get the actual statistics on my next question for you guys. Think if Ovi breaks Gretzky's goal record, there should be an asterisk next to his name because of how many <laughs> overtime goals he scored. What is it? It's like 20-something. Come on. When you score 700-plus goals, those extra 20 should not be asterisked. Come on. I think Gretzky's uh, thing should have a asterisk beside it if you want to go there. Yeah, let's go there. Why? Okay, well, his first 10 years of his career, goaltenders never touched the ice with their knees. <laughs> How about that? Mike Bossy coming down the right wing, slapper like, on the ice break. far side. You know how many goals Ovi would score back at that time? Yeah, you can't though. He'd you have two thousand errors in. There were no players. Gretzky was groundbreaking in his time. Talking about, we're talking about the but greatest I don't think you can goalies ever to set foot on the ice right now. These guys <laughs> are genetic freaks. They're did you, big. They're incredible. Did you see the pick of Chicago? Leaving Ovechkin wide open over there. All four penalty killers are over on the other side. You got the greatest goal scorer of our time in his spot. We we, we played we played Washington in in the with Montreal. We played him, and what was our thing? Somebody stand next to Ovechkin. He's not going to beat us on the power play. And play stand next to him. Three. Make the other four guys. <laughs> Beat you. On and you know what? It wasn't easy because you had you had Backstrom running the half wall. You had Semin in the middle. 
I can't tell you the amount of one-timer Semin had in that playoff series. But you know what? He didn't score many because well, you he'd think it's over to net or TJ Oshi. I'm not saying, but cover that guy. He's got 700 plus goals. How many on the power play from that exact spot? Make someone else beat you. Make He's someone leading. else beat you. Ovi's leading the NHL in points. Make someone else beat you, please. How many points does he have right now? Stand next to him. Old school. Might hockey. You do not leave his side. 46. 21 goals. 25 assists. Are we at the 30 game mark for them? 30 games? I'll tell you right now where we're at for them. Uh, over, over that. Washington's played 29 games. Jumping. How is that even possible? The guy's like go a dinosaur right a few now. episodes again. Go back, <laughs> go no back to our why. deleted conversation. <laughs> I don't know what episode it was, but I do. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, come on, man. How vitamins. is this guy? How is this guy? Yeah, he's taking his vitamins. That's obviously what's how he's practicing in the basement with his kid. Did you see that? Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, that was on uh, Twitter the other day yeah. with Ovi, uh, Ovi dangling with his two little, uh, two little boys. Um, I love how he's like, petting. He's petting the dog, and then his one kid's coming in to score. He's like, "No, I'll take that." Yeah, not even looking. Amazing. But, and the, I love the I love the little guy who's just like got a stick up in the air, <laughs> walk, running back and forth, like going, "Yeah, yeah. go, oh, dude." That was all of us. That was our kids, man. Yeah. That was my kids, at least. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I look, I, I, I hate to, to sit and dwell on that conversation for an hour, but I mean, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I sit and I watch and I think the game, the game has changed. I don't necessarily enjoy it. I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I certainly don't know that I need to see guys like McKinnon or from Nate McKinnon to Kara laying on the ice after getting their 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 brains their their brains blasted, I mean, it just it it just makes no sense. And nobody wants to see that. No one wants it to be I, a brain I, injury. And if we walk away from this game and that doesn't happen, man, that's a plus. But we're all dealing with injuries, and that's because we got hit. That's because we played a contact sport. And now we have to figure out whether that was worth it or not in our own worlds right like right now it was worth it for me is that the same in 10 15 20 years when when things start to pile up i have no idea but just looking at career earnings here geo i'm pretty sure <laughs> pretty sure it was worth it for you i'm pretty i'll carry the two. Oh, that's a five that's a fifth that's 50 plus something <laughs> forgive me oh, but I would, you know you know my point is yeah, being I do i do i do we walk away from the game and we hope that we're healthy and that's all that we can be. Do you like the game, Gio? Do you like the game today? I like the skills. I don't like that the onus is taken off the puck carrier when you get hit. It's your fault. There are hits. Example, Drury, where you release the puck and you're still going and you get your head taken off. That shit has no place in the game anymore. But if I'm carrying the puck and I get hit clean, not an elbow to the chin, not someone knee on knee, if I get hit, that's part of the game. I should have moved the damn puck before. I don't care if I was walking to the net. I don't know. 
I I think I don't like how far it's gone. I do like that there is way more player safety. There's way more recognition about player health. I do love all that stuff. But I think that it's gone a little too overboard. I, I, I will say this just to kind of end it, that I enjoyed playing in, in the NHL every, every single minute of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I had it all. I enjoyed being part of a league where, there, where you felt like there was some danger a part of it. Like it's not just it, – it was, it was a big boy league, and uh, I enjoyed – I enjoyed that part of it. I, I think, you know, to, to feel a little uneasy and, and know that this is, you know, uh, it's a dangerous sport when it's played at a high level, high physical uh, and with intensity. I, I loved playing in the games the most, not when there was fighting per se, but when two teams were playing at such a high level and the intensity of it and everything else, those were the greatest games to be a part of. And I, I loved being a part of them. I, I love playoffs. It, it, yeah. But there was also in, in the regular season and you, you probably had teams that you played against that built, you know, hatred for, um, things that happened throughout the course of a long 82 game season, there was just so much. It was more. There was just more excitement. There was more build up to games that you knew that there was going to be a clash of the titans. You know, and I enjoyed being a part of that. I enjoyed being a piece to the puzzle on a team that would you know try and win win hockey games, and we. We, we, we played for each other. We stuck up for each other. We respected, you know, we, we wore the crest on our, on our, on our jerseys and respected it. And, you know, we played for one another. Like there's many guys I hated. I swear to God, the guys that I, a lot of guys I played with hated these guys, like literally hated them. Like with the guys that were on your team? On my team. Look at he's got a jersey that has a captain and an assistant captain up there. Guys hating guys on his team. I don't team. care. I listen, there's guys that are 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 disrespectful people. And you know that. You've played in locker rooms. You know that the guys that are there for you and care about you. And then there's guys that are there for themselves and they're ignorant, selfish pieces of shit. And I sniff you out. And you know it. Yeah, you can sniff a fraud out for sure in a locker room. Okay. And it, it's very simple. But let me tell you something. That piece of shit needs help on the ice. I'm going to be there. And he's going to say, hey, thanks, Riffs. I'm going to be like, shut your mouth. I can't stand <laughs> you. I'm there for the team. I'm there for the crest. But I love that part of the game. I loved trying to win games as a unit not as individuals. And uh, I just find the emotion of the game today. It's like, for an example, like you look at, I, I, I just, I just had a smile on my face that di this Dylan cousins kid, the way he works and the way he plays. And you know, you can feel, I don't even know the kid. I've met him like a couple times. 
I feel like he is the ultimate team guy. He wants to win. He wants to do it together. And I look at the other game. I think it was against the Rangers where it was near the end of the game. The game was over. Goudreau came in and gave him uh, the little uh, pick fork in the back of the legs, which is very dangerous. Yeah, let's clarify. That wasn't a slew foot, okay? Not a slew foot. Okay, thank you. I would call that a pick fork, right? And he just jabbed right at the back of pitch his fork. skate. <laughs> pitch fork. Pick, what did I pitch say? fork? Pitch. Pitch, pitch fork. Pitch. pitch fork. Okay. You got me. And Dylan Cousins goes down. And there is not a split second that he is not enraged. And he is looking where his target is. And he two-handed Goudreau. And then went after him. To me, that is a incredible part of the game. To be able to kind of have a little bit of emotion, those those the little bit of the nasty part of the game. I think that that is 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 a part of the game that the fans still love and still want. That's we a do not want to play see by Goudreau, By the way, it's that a like- bullshit play, and that should be addressed the very next game. But it shouldn't be through Dylan Cousins. I'm sorry. That's so what you want. Got. You want you want that Hayden guy or yeah, whoever. Hundred thousand percent. Okay. So then, what happens when Hayden goes out and pounds Goudreau? If if that happens, and then it's not now happen, but now he has to go and uh, take care of Ryan Reeves. I mean, it's like so what? So be it. Suck it up, Buttercup. That's why you're here. Someone's got to do it. Maybe we should go and trade for McDermott that I've been wanting for three years. Well, that's we don't want to do that. Wow. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to take a guy that can play 15 minutes a night, who can move the puck, he's insanely big and physical, and can play defense? Why would we want that guy? Why would we want that guy? I'll tell now you, you know why. I'll tell now you, you know the guy why. we do want. We want Brian Gianta every week. That's what we want. We got him. Love having you, Gio. Love being on. Love Sorry today it was about well, well it's about it's about something that I had didn't have to live. I had to see in the room, but I didn't have to live it day in and day out. Yeah. Well but, but I think it gives a good understanding of what players have to go through and had to go through and or listen, it's everyone's compensated extremely well. But like everything else in life there's sacrifices to be made. There's anxieties to be had. And it's not easy. It's not an easy job, no matter who you are. No matter if you're six, whatever you are, Petey, six, five, four, four. Sorry. Well, maybe, maybe six, three and a half now with the, the two, shrinkage. 212 the, the com- pounds. The compressed spine. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle. And at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.